Hello, Distilling Theology listeners. We are very excited to announce that this week's episode is sponsored by Lagas 9, one of the most advanced and most powerful Bible study tools available. This software features a robust theological library with hundreds and up to thousands of books that are digitized. And one of my favorite things about that is as much as I enjoy pulling a book off my shelf and reading cover to cover, sometimes I just want to pull up a resource real quick, find a quote uh, somewhere in thousands of pages, take the Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. Sometimes I want to pull up the scripture references right there, and it's super, super easy in Lagos. And for the Distilling Theology audience, we have an exclusive discount. So if you go to lagos.com slash distillingtheology, you can take 10% off an order of Lagos 9, plus you'll get an additional five free books from a pre-selected list. So be sure to head over there and check that out. And without further ado, here is this week's episode of Distilling Theology. You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome to episode 66 of Distilling Theology. Execute order 66. (laughs) The time has come. Execute order 66. It will be done. Uh, I'm your co-host, Blake Courtright, joined by my buddy, my bro, Baptistic Brochacho, uh, the mini bear, Justin Van Riper. (laughs) This is the way. There's a welcome, good meme from that. Welcome. Yeah. Glad to be here. It's good to have you, man. It was fun hanging out with Luke our, last week. Oh, dude, it was awesome. It was awesome having Luke the him. bear. Luke the bear. And that's yep. that's why Justin the mini bear, because that one photo of you well, guys at Palmyra. Well, yeah, so when, the, when they had come to Palmyra, I was hanging out with uh, Luke and Jeff and James, and Jeff's wife was there, Candy, and and um, she was in the car because it was like 95 degrees and humid. Now, where they're coming from in Arizona, right, It's it's hot, but it's a dry heat. And this was like August heat in the summer up here, which is like super humid. And so they were like complaining about the heat, you know, uh, which I thought was funny because, you know, they're from Arizona. Mm, but anyway, true. so they're complaining about the heat. And so, he, but uh, Luke and I were standing out there talking and we're wearing like the same kind of shorts, the same, like both wearing a black t-shirt, camo hats on. And we're just talking. And all of a sudden, uh, Luke gets a picture <laughs> of him and I talking and it was like look it's it's Luke the Bear and Luke the like Luke the Bear Jr. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was man. really funny. And she thought she just thought it was hilarious. So he sent me a bunch of those pictures and he's like and so I made a meme about it and because you know he, he's kind of built like me but he's like six three, you know? Yeah he's huge. Uh so it was just really funny. <laughs> Amazing. Good times, good times. Uh you know, it is Wednesday my dude. We are Currently live streaming this episode for our Patreons and uh, friendly reminder, congratulations again to our giveaway winner, Jenny Smith from last week. And if you guys would like to get a hold of one of those Distilling Theology hoodies, one of them could be yours if you head up shopdistillingtheology.com. So there's your uh, friendly, friendly reminder about that. Now, Justin, what's in our glass tonight? Um, Tonight we are going to be having water. 
Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> a Midwinter Night's Dram. We're drinking again. However, this is Act 7, Scene 6. This was given to us by none other than our good buddy Sam Schauble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. But uh, but yeah, this is a High West Distillery whiskey. I'm very excited about it. Uh, apparently, it's a blend of straight rye whiskeys, correct? That and, is correct. Um, finished in French oak uh, port barrels. Yeah, boy. Which is going to be interesting because it'll give that uh, sort of unique sweetness. Oh, I love it. I love the smell already. Yeah, it last smells time, great, man. The last time we had this whiskey, well, another small batch expression of a Midwinter Night's Dram. It was Act 5, Scene 1. Yep. We tasted that uh, back in April of last year uh, for Episode 20, where we were talking about Resurrection Day. And you know, you know what's yeah, crazy, dude? That episode dropped on April 14th of 2020. You know what day it is Bruh. today? <laughs> it's April 14th right now. <laughs> and we are spending a Midwinter Night's Dram a year later. So thank you, Sam, for sending us this. We're very excited. Um, it's bottled at 49.3% or 98.6 proof. And uh, yeah, man, I see your smell. What do you, what do you smell in that whiskey? It smells fantastic. I'm getting cinnamon, cedar, plums, yeah. pecans. A little bit of rhubarb, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Maybe a hint, just a hint of like orange fruitcake, maybe, or some sort of I was gonna coffee say, I get, cake. I get the, I could see the coffee cake with the cinnamon, and I definitely get a little bit of, a little bit of sweet cloves, and I do get kind of like an orange peel, orange zest kind of vibe with those yeah. clove notes. Um, I, maybe a I'm little getting, bit of brown sugar. Maybe it's what I ate, but I'm getting more of like a. I'm getting a stronger, like, sort of plum and rhubarb smell. Mm. Nice. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to try this. Oh, it smells so good. I'm Shall just, like, we? I'm just mm-hmm. inhaling it deeply. Soak it in. Soak it in, just like we were going to soak in uh, our theological discussion tonight. Cheers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ginger, molasses. That molasses is mm-hmm. robust. Almost like a, some cherries, like black cherries. It's kind of like very, a, it's kind of like tart a cherry at the Coke. finish. <laughs> yeah. The finish um, is kind of tart and oaky. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a hot one. Like for, for the ABV, I'm surprised by the amount of like sure. intensity to it's it. It's a little bit spicy. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, um, uh, what are those stupid little cookies called that nobody likes? But <laughs> that could like be an, an interesting number flavor. Of things. Uh, Fig Newtons. It's almost got Bro, like, a, like. Hold on. Listen. No, no, no. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> it's the texture. The taste of Fig Newtons is fine. It's the texture I don't like. Bro, I love but, Fig Newtons. But like the in, you know, the inside of the Fig Newton. I'm yeah. almost getting like that sort of fig, sort of jam spread, sort of uh, flavor. Mm. Blackberries, maybe. I'm still hung up on the fact that you don't like Fig Newtons. <laughs> what? Dude, they're terrible. Are you sure about <laughs> that? They're so bad. All right. Those of you in the Facebook group, we're making a poll. We're we going to make it. Ne- uh, to fig be a week or not later. to fig. You know, I think that, yeah, Fig Newtons are great. I don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is what happens. Must be a, when, must be a Presbyterian thing. <laughs> it's just about to be the Baptist joke. <laughs> I beat you to it. You dunked, you dunked on me. Um, it, it, it took a minute, but now the uh, sort of wooden spices are kind of setting in. Mm-hmm. The oakiness with a little bit of the cinnamon and the uh, rhubarb again. 
Yeah, that's a very pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. It's surprising, though, because, yeah, it gets more tart and dry at, like, the roof of the mouth in the finish. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely hotter than I expected yeah. compared to the last uh, act that we had. That's true. That's why that's it's fun really, to taste the, really the small tasty. batches. I'm excited to sip this as we get into our topic mm-hmm. tonight. But mm-hmm. before, uh, let's open in prayer. We are reading from page 310 in the Valley of Vision, published by Banner of Truth. The prayer is titled, Grace in Trials. Father of mercies, hear me for Jesus' sake. I am sinful, even in my closest walk with thee. It is of thy mercy I died not long ago. Thy grace has given me faith in the cross, by which thou hast reconciled thyself to me and me to thee drawing me by thy great love, reckoning me as innocent in Christ, though guilty in myself. Giver of all graces, I look to thee for strength to maintain them in me, for it is hard to practice what I believe. Strengthen me against temptations. My heart is an unexhausted fountain of sin, a river of corruption since childhood days, flowing on in every pattern of behavior. Thou hast disarmed me of the means in which I trusted, and I have no strength but in thee. Thou alone canst hold back my evil ways. But without thy grace to sustain me, I fall. Satan's darts quickly inflame me, and the shield that should quench them easily drops from my hand. Empower me against his wiles and assaults. Keep me sensible of my weakness and of my dependence upon thy strength. Let every trial teach me more of thy peace, more of thy love. Thy Holy Spirit is given to increase thy graces, and I cannot preserve or improve them unless he works continually in me. May he confirm my trust in thy promised help, and let me walk humbly in dependence upon thee, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Mm. I like how... It both opens and ends with, for Jesus' sake, mm-hmm. uh, recognizing that uh, it's just a very Christocentric prayer, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Like yeah, that. we have our mediator. Like, yeah, we are not the captain of our soul. Yeah, look at me. We are, not, me. We are not the captains now. Right. <laughs> Yo, that's that's beautiful. But no, it's it's right. Who's our mediator? Who's the one? You know, the only mediator between God and men. It's yep. Jesus, right? He's yep. the only way. And this prayer is a beautiful reminder of that. I'm very like convicted and edified by that prayer as well, always. It should but be. It's so good, man. As it should be. It's so good. Prayer is for, is it not? Amen, man. Good means of grace. So, <sighs> uh, <laughs> as we come to the end of our eschatology series, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun jokes. You could say we're in the last days of our series. <laughs> um, we hope that you guys were edified and and have a better, fuller understanding, uh, or at least an overview, like a thirty thousand foot view, um, of the sort of three primary eschatological views amongst those of us who are in the Reformed community um, and even in the the Christian community more broadly. Um, We had some awesome guests on. Obviously, Luke and uh, Kim were awesome. 
I loved having them on. Um, we didn't intend to fully dunk on <laughs> premillennialism, but uh, it happens. And um, we are both sorry, not sorry. Mm. <laughs> no, it, it was really great. And um, what do you, as you look back over those last few episodes, um, what are your sort of thoughts on what, what what kind of takeaways do you have from having them on, having them discuss what was going on? Sure. Um, has your views at all been challenged? Have you been edified? Have you been sanctified? Have you learned anything? Ooh, those are big existential questions. The kind of questions that we need here on distilling theology. I think we, <laughs> we had a, a comment like that very early on, like the first episode, I think, and uh, we're still doing it, you know, 60, 66 episodes later. Um, <laughs> it's just going to keep happening, but yeah, no, is it I, possible to learn a, po- a podcast? <laughs> not yes, from an Armenian. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, no, it, um, it was really encouraging to me to be reminded of, cause I had, like we said at the beginning of the series, when we did our first yeah. like episode on eschatology, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about this topic in a long while. And I was so encouraged by reflecting on these doctrines, whether we're talking about, you know, the historic pre-mill, sure. the amillennialist or the, the post-millennialist views they're all encouraging to me because it's all pointing me to the fact that Jesus is coming back mm. and that he is going to, to reign and like his, his reign and rule will be manifest tangibly here. And whether you're pre-mail, post-mail, amil, we can all agree that there's coming a day that every knee will bow and yes. every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And that was super refreshing to me. And especially since in church we've been started, we started a series through Isaiah and Basically, every week has been a different chapter. So Isaiah, you have constant these these big visions, but you have so much judgment and yeah. promise and hope. And the, the the statement my pastor keeps making week after week is God saves his people through judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's the title of Jim Hamilton's big biblical theology book, right? God's glory and salvation through judgment, right? God is bringing the people through the waters, through the midst of the Red Sea, right? He brings mm. his people safely through the judgment, through what is cataclysmic judgment for yeah. the city of man. And so, yeah, man, I've been super encouraged. It was really fun to hang out with Luke, even though, you know, my my own amillenarian um, views definitely have differences in interpreting what we mean when we say Jesus is reigning and what that looks like this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um and yet there's a lot of similarity there. And I, I appreciated mm-hmm. how ironic, uh, ironic it was. Like that was probably one of the calmer discussions uh, on the internet where someone was talking or, in, you know, in a discussion where people brought up theonomy, like. Sure. Um, well, I mean, we do have the most sage stage Facebook group. We do. On the we reformed do. internet. So naturally it would make sense that we would, mm-hmm. uh, we would remain uh, as best as we can to be sage yeah. about such a uh, hot topic as it were. Sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, like having, having Kim Riddlebarger on was a blast. Like I learned mm-hmm. a bunch from mm-hmm. him and I think, you know, that, that comes with the territory of 20 plus, I think 25 sure. years of pastoring and a, almost two decades on the white horse in and writing books and being a professor. Like, yeah, you just get very good at communicating things where you and I kind of ramble and go on, you know, down rabbit holes. Like what? you just had a great presentation and it was a lot of fun. I don't know, man. What, what about you? What were the standouts? What did you really yeah. enjoy? Were so, you challenged? There was a couple of things that uh, came to me as far as like, as I was reflecting over the, these past few episodes. Uh, number one, a reminder of the 
sort of uh, vast nature of prophetic work uh, in mm. scripture, right? Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, you, myself, uh, premillennialists, we all use the same scriptures to justify our positions. We come to the same, even proof texts, right? We come to the same yeah. uh, uh, passages in Matthew and in Isaiah and in um, Revelation, and we come to these same scriptures, but our hermeneutic is different. And so it's a, it's a reminder, number one, of uh, of the fact that like you can't just say, this is my chapter and verse that proves my point. Um because it's it's not a I'm looking at the same chapter and verse you are, but I'm right. seeing it differently. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a reminder to sort of hum, humble ourselves and say, "Am I reading the text properly? Mm. Am I reading the scriptures with a correct hermeneutic so that I can properly understand the context and the continuity of what's being expressed?" Yeah. Um, and it's also a reminder to me of what uh, R.C. said, right? Mm. Um, that these are our topics. Um, in systematic theology that we have to be very careful to come down super firm on. Um, I think we can be confident in our positions. However, we have to be confident in such a way that we are willing to, to bend and and flex our opinions Mm. um, to, to the scriptures and to uh, revelation. And so um, as God works through wise men, uh, pastors, elders, teachers uh, in the church, uh, as we grow and as we learn, we should be willing to submit um, to 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 teaching that we we deem is correct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously these are secondary, non salvific issues. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. be a little bit different if someone uh, starts talking about Christology or something, and they they start teaching sure. something other than what is clearly taught in Scripture. Um, these issue these particular topics are a little bit less. Uh, clear than something like Christ being uh, God incarnate. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's one of those more open-handed issues, but one of those issues that's, um, I think, coming up a lot too because of just the nature of the times that we're in right now. Whenever uh, there's trials and tribulations um, uh, in our culture, uh, eschatology seems to come up mm-hmm. uh, and become a thing, you know, with the date setting in the 80s and... <laughs> And all that. So, so yeah, uh, just a reminder to humble ourselves and uh, be reminded that we don't know as much as we think we know and mm-hmm. uh, to approach these texts carefully because they are very unique um, yeah. compared to a lot of the rest of Scripture. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked hearing Kim Riddlebarger talk through Matthew 24 and mm-hmm. Revelation 20. Like, I thought that was a really good approach. He's like, I to what you said, like, this is the same text that the pre-millenarians and the post-millenarians, like everybody points to these texts. So it's a bigger picture issue of like, right. how are we understanding them? And um, without that, like, yeah, we end up in really strange places and yeah. inconsistent places as well. Right. I might add, like y- you run into all kinds of inconsistencies. Like there's the um, kind of word of faith, Pentecostal form of post-millennialism that's like, so it's a form of dominionism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like everything is gonna, you know, we can we can do all these things now, and like, what one of the major differences, because this doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Uh, yeah. One of the major differences between sort of a Pentecostal, uh, I, I don't even want to call it post millennial because that's not really an accurate representation. Yeah. 
um, view of eschatology versus uh, either historic or even theonomic post-millennialism. Sure. Um, Their view says we need to conquer these seven mountains of culture, Mm. uh, you know, entertainment, um, the church, the the government, et cetera. Sure. We, We conquer these. And then because we've conquered these, we are ushering in the um, return of Christ. Right. That is entirely different than saying as Christ uh, is reigning at the right hand of the father and is putting his enemies under his feet, that these um, particular areas and culture will be eventually impacted by the fact that Christians are throughout the nations. Um, It's top down versus bottom up, uh, which Luke touched on a little bit, right? Um, Sure. Top down is not going to work because that's not how, that's that's not how the gospel works. That's not how yeah. we look through scripture. That's just not the way God works. He most ordinary. Uh, he, I, my dad always says, uh, my pastor, my dad. He, he's often said, um, uh, Jesus or, or God most often uses ordinary means to mm-hmm. accomplish his extraordinary yeah. uh, ends. You know, so ultimately, uh, and I, I totally butchered the, the way he says it, but ultimately, right. Um, the post-millennial would say, no, we're, well, again, it's going to vary a little bit amongst post-millennials, but sure, uh, myself yeah. as a, as a uh, sort of happy amillennial, uh, an optimistic amillennial, um, I would say the gospel is going to go through the nations. It's going to be successful. Christians, um, the elect are going to uh, come to Christ. Um, the gospel is going to, is going to reach the ends of the earth just as we're commanded to do. And we're going to be successful because Christ is going to be successful, putting his enemies under his feet. And by nature of uh, the nations coming to Christ, mm. ultimately that's going to impact culture. Um, if you, 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 We see this already in microcosm. There are certain areas in this country, for example, where the majority of people are Christians, uh, or more so than other areas. And believe it or not, their economy is better. Their... Um, uh, crime is lower. It's been a few years since I've studied that, but um, where the gospel goes, <laughs> uh, victorious things happen. <laughs> Pe- people are um, released from their sins, right? They're they're broken free from the chains of of the bondage of sin, and then that ultimately impacts culture and that impacts um, the people around you. Uh, that's different than. Something like theonomic postmillennialism, which says, well, then therefore we're going to reinstitute uh, a, th- a theocratic sort of government based sure. on the Mosaic Code and all that stuff, which is yeah. <clears throat> no bueno. <laughs> uh, my man. Glad to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been there and I know the arguments and, and they are very convincing, especially when you hear them from someone like Bonson, right? I was going to say, Craig um, Bonson is a he, phenomenal mouthpiece for that argument. He, he's He's got phenomenal arguments. Um, and if he and I were ever to debate, obviously we can't, but, uh, if he were yeah. here and we were debating, he would walk circles around me, man's oh, genius, same. but, yeah. um, but because of, because of my, my covenant theology is just an impossibility. Well done. So. <laughs> well done. Bravo. Yeah, man. And I thought it was really cool and encouraging also to hear a little bit more of like, from from both Luke and Kim, the breakdown of like idealist, historicist, partial mm-hmm. preterist, futurist, mm-hmm. and like Kim especially highlighted this. Like they're they're all kind of present. You can't 
You can't just take yes. one of those views and apply it unilaterally across Revelation, for mm-hmm. example. Like you, you just can't do that because it's going to be inconsistent with the nature of the letter. Like sure. from a biblical Absolutely. theology perspective, it doesn't make any sense to read it as all future, nor as all past. Like neither mm-hmm. of those options work or as all spiritual or as all like, you know, you just run into weird problems that yeah. or is like trying to pinpoint like this person was this and this. It's like, well, eh, I think there's a few things. And Luke alluded to that right at the end of our in our in our overtime last week, like with with the beast and the Antichrist. Like, I think there's certain things we can see. Yeah, there was an immediate fulfillment here in in eighty seventy of mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, but certainly not every aspect because there's still future happening. Mm-hmm. And I like what Kim mentioned of like these seven visions and these seven parallel pictures of of this event that are all happening throughout Revelation, and so each vision is just a different perspective of the same timeline of events instead of just chronologically going from yeah. Revelation one through twenty two. So. I thought that was useful. Speaking of uh, eschatology, I have that two, is what we're doing. I, yeah, I have I have three weeks to prepare. I'm I'm going to be representing the historic partial preterist post millennial view Whoa. of eschatology in a night of eschatology Zoom debate sort of thing. Um, it's it's kind of a roundtable discussion, but it's going to be uh, a little bit different than your traditional sort of. Um, conversation we're going to be looking a lot i guess at um at the old testament so we're going to be looking at like the 70 weeks of daniel the millennial kingdom isaiah 65 and 66 uh ezekiel's temple zechariah um and 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 looking at it from a from an old testament forward kind of point of view nice. uh to to say okay well what does your view say about these particular <clears throat> texts and how does that pan out and so it's going to be interesting. So I'm going to have my nose pretty deep for the next three weeks into um, into eschatology some more, yeah. um, which I'm glad we've been doing this because it's it's sort of preparing me for this uh, this upcoming event. So yeah, that's awesome, man. I love it. I love it, man. And I think as we go forward and like move on to the next things that we have coming up through our different series and interviews and mm-hmm. very exciting stuff in the next coming months, really like not just the next two weeks, but it's going to get wild. Um, I'm encouraged by this reflection on the last days and on the end times. That's so mm-hmm. often for so many people becomes a source of great anxiety yes. and tension. Oh, sure. And I, I love that. Like, Kim mentioned that like, and well, they both talked about it from a pastoral standpoint, right? Like this is, this should bring us the greatest comfort as Christians. It should not terrify us. Like the day of the Lord is a great and terrible day, but (laughs) for the people of God, it's a day of salvation. And that was, you know, the sermon this past Sunday in, uh, in Isaiah about the apocalypse is like, yeah, the day of the Lord is terrifying, but the people of God rejoice. They rejoice that the just judge of the universe is holy and is executing his justice mm-hmm. on the nations. Like we rejoice that God will bring justice and we rejoice in his goodness, even though the day of the Lord is terrible and frightening. So it's an interesting tension to live in, but it's one that um, I found much comfort in as well. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, Look, there's a lot of focus on eschatology. Uh, I do want to point out that 
Uh, if you're new to systematic theology, maybe don't start there. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a fun and interesting study, and it does impact the way that we read a lot of the scriptures. Uh, sure. So it is important. It's, it's not one that I want to say, no, you shouldn't study that. You should yeah. most definitely study eschatology uh, because it will impact your hermeneutic on the text. I mean, that's just when I read the Gospels, I read it with a post-millennial worldview. When I read the prophets, I read them with a post-millennial uh, worldview. And so that impacts the way I read the text. However, um, don't start there because yeah. we want to start on the most important things, right? Mm-hmm. What, you know, who God is, the nature of who God is, uh, the gospel. What is the gospel? What does that look like? How do we, how do we, how do we share the gospel? How do we, um, how do we evangelize? How do we um, live the Christian life? Are we in church? Are we, uh, what does church look like? All, all these important things of the regular Christian life are very important things that we need to be studying and know who God is because that's the most important thing. You can get, um, you can get everything else right. You can have perfect theology, but if you have Christ wrong, you're wrong enough to lose your soul. Mm-hmm. Do not, <laughs> uh, do not start with eschatology. Start with who God is. Start with Christ. Um, start with the gospel, mm-hmm. go from there. Um, yeah. so that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And right. And that's part of why I don't fixate on it as much is because at the end of the day, yes, as you said, it so informs everything else we do, but it's also informed by it. Like Kim talked right. about, right. If you give eschatology without the gospel, it's terrifying. Yes. Because you're like, oh man, is Jesus going to come back and and catch me doing something I'm not supposed to be doing, and then I'm going to lose my salvation? Like, mm-hmm. you end up in this mm-hmm. very terrifying space if you have eschatology without the gospel. That's right. And so, yeah, eschatology for the for the saint, as you said, for the bruised reed, it's a balm to your soul. It's a comfort with the gospel, yeah. and that and that's all of this stuff, right? We could talk about theology proper in technical detail and. We're going to spoiler alert. Um, We're going, we're coming back, but even so it's pointless without the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Like unless we, unless we understand God is creator, God created us. We sinned, we fell, we are worthy of wrath and justice. And yet God sent his son. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He took our place. He suffered and died for our sins he fulfilled all righteousness and he's coming back. He raised from the dead and he's coming back. Like if we get that, everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah. And, well, yeah. So Psalm 127, mm. unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Mm-hmm. You know, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Yeah. So he's our foundation. Um, right. The principium. Oh, yeah, boy, steal my words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, someone's yeah. got to. Yeah. You know, it's true. No, um, yeah. So, absolutely, man. Speaking of spoiler alerts, just in what? case we uh, case we forgot. I think I did this a couple weeks ago, but I'm doing it again because, uh, you know, I feel like it. So, Good. Revelation 22, starting in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And the one who hears says, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take, take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy of this book, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. Amen. And that's where the book ends. Like Revelation, but also that's the end of our of our Christian New Testament canon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Right after the very, very strong warning against adding or taking away from the prophecy of this book, right? Adding or taking away from what God has said. And as you've highlighted many, many times, right? It's just the reiteration of Satan's tactic in the garden. Hath God said, Mm. hath God said. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what is being warned. Like that's the beginning of the book. And that's what's being warned against (laughs) at the end of the book is don't say hath God said, well, well, God really said this other extra stuff or God really didn't say that. I was watching a, a YouTube um, pastor and apologist take down pretty epically some some really gross progressive Christian stuff where this guy, I don't even, at this point I'm like, why do you claim to, why do you even want to call yourself a Christian when you're saying things like, this person claimed that polyamory was, was fine, like your love is fine. Like, don't let people judge you and and it was very much, <laughs> you guys, let's draw Patreon, you can't see, but Justin just did the big, an epic look down his, look down his glasses. Um, you know, it's right up there with the Rob Bell stuff, preaching, right? That there's, there's no hell, there's no punishment, basically developing full on universalism. And, and yeah, he's popular. And so are all these guys for their time. Mm-hmm, I was like, this mm-hmm. week's episode of White Horse Inn was about narcissistic gospel. And yeah, I love it about how these people like. They are preaching outright. You know, you're fine as you are. Like Joel Olstein's, the the Joyce Myers, like you're good. It's you know, you're awesome. You're great. Yikes. And what is it that the Bible tells us? Right in the last days, Paul writing. Right in the last days, men will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, and they will they will not hear the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the warning that Paul gives in his in his in his letter, and. That's exactly where, like, how else do you describe the world we live in and the so-called Christian evangelical culture? People are lovers of self. Mm-hmm. They want to and hear yet, their ears. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so we recognize that mankind from the beginning has been this way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, here it is. Second uh, Timothy chapter three. Verse one, but understand this. This is Paul speaking to his his, you know, his apprentice, basically his his mm. he's mentoring Son Timothy. Of the Lord. Yeah, and he says that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people, and the times of difficulty aren't because of persecution. They aren't because of these mm-hmm. other things. The times of difficulty are highlighted for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Mm. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive 
at a knowledge of the truth. And he references some Old Testament, just as uh, Jonathan and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding their faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, mm-hmm. as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and the sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endure, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, as for us, us Christians today, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And right after that is all scriptures breathed out. And we could go on, but I mean, in in closing out about the last days, right, this warning from Paul, there is godlessness in these last days mm-hmm. and and he's talking about in the those who masquerade as godliness right they yep. they're always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth they have the appearance of godliness but they deny its power i mean that's such an indictment of the yeah the first century yeah the first century church had these issues well, so there's no novelty no well consider you know Consider those who are going to appear before the Lord and say, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Yeah. Right. Um, having the appearance of godliness or even believing. I forget who it was a quote from, but it was an awesome quote that said that there are those who believe that they believe in Christ and those mm-hmm. who actually believe. Yeah. I, I can't imagine being so self-deceived that I actually believe that I believe in Christ, but don't. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think of I think of some of these some of these modern teachers. I believe that Joel Osteen believes he believes in Christ. Oh, he does. He thinks he's right. Right. And he'll probably on the day of judgment, unless he repents mm-hmm. and comes to the true gospel and repents yeah. of his sin. He he could very well be one of those who says, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. That's one of those things when I consider the fear of the Lord, right? Mm. We should be not necessarily like trembling afraid of God, but have such an awe and a reverence for God and his power. Yeah. The idea of of upsetting him or, or turning against him or uh, sinning against such a gracious uh, Heavenly Father would be abhorrent to us and that that should cause us to fear not that we're afraid of hell so much as we are, we're afraid to hurt our creator, to rebel mm. against our creator. Yeah. Um, because we love him, we we adore him, we cherish him, we want to be like him. Um, mm. You know, there's, uh, we've talked about this before, right? The, the idea of, we're not going to, we, we don't want to be in heaven because we are trying to get out of hell. Yeah. We want to be in heaven because... We love God. We mm. love who He is. We love Amen. His character, His nature, yes. uh, His goodness, His His power, His glory. We 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 love those things about Him, and so 
that should impact the way that we live, the way that we breathe, the way that we worship, um, mm. and the way that we view our eschatology, the way that we view our hermeneutics and scripture should be impacted, not because we have pride, but because we have genuine love for God and his word, and we want to know him more. So. Yeah, man. Oh, that is so good. And I know we're preaching a little bit here, but like <laughs> we're closing out our our series on the end times, the last days. We we kind of have to. This is our, you know, the last days of this series. But yeah, man, I, I actually did want to pick up the rest of that because it's so good. Right. As yeah. for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise. Now, what's that wisdom in? And we can talk, you know, we'll get into apologetics another time, precept, classical. But what is the scripture specifically? Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, right? The scriptures are sufficient. He goes on, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out or inspired or actually expired, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So reading the Bible, is it going to be a science textbook or a political textbook? No. Can we learn things about those things? Absolutely. But is it going to be those textbooks? No. Is it going to, is reading right, the Bible exactly. going to teach me it's, how to operate my car? No. Right. It, it's right. It's, it's, it's inerrant and infallible in the areas in which it talks about those things. But yeah, the point is not those things. Right. Right. It's, it is all scriptures breathe out and profitable for teaching, for mm-hmm. reproof, right? So both the positive, like catechizing, learning the doctrine, the dogmas of the church, but also for reproof for the elders of the church in our local bodies, which we can't stress enough, be in the local church and for the mm-hmm. reproof of elders and also of parents to children, but of elders in the church when for church discipline, for mm-hmm. correction mm-hmm. and for the training in righteousness, right? Because what's the point of those things is not... The point of church discipline, we'll get to this in ecclesiology, but it's not chastisement for the sake of shunning somebody. It's for the sake of reconciliation, yep. Yep. for training in righteousness, that the man of God or man or woman, right, humanity, that the, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mm-hmm. So those that say, well, Calvinism is just about, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a, it's armchair theology, if if. If our theology is armchair theology and it's not leading to us being equipped for every good work, then we're learning and never achieving a knowledge of the truth. Then we need to heed the warning that Paul is giving Timothy there. Yes. And we're just gaining knowledge without any actual knowledge of truth if it's not changing our life and our actions. If it doesn't have a so what to that episode with James LaBelle months ago about the Puritans. So Mm -hmm. what, right? God is impassable, immutable, invisible, immortal. So what? What does that mean for me here and now? You know, God, Jesus is coming back. Amel, post-mill, pre-mill. So what? How does that affect us as believers here and now? Yeah. And that's what's been such a joy to me the last couple of weeks is remembering what, the so what. Whenever I hear so what, I can't, ever, I can't help but think of uh, uh, Jeff Durbin's uh, uh, debates with atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he gets all presuppositional and people are saying... All they're making all these assumptions and these assertions, and he's saying, "So what? Mm-hmm. So okay, so uh, yeah, you know they're saying, well, your God couldn't exist.' Blah, blah, blah. So what? If he doesn't, then so what? What's it matter? Who yeah. cares? So what? <laughs> right? Why are you angry? Yeah. What are you mad about? 
Why are you here? Yeah. Now, man, this has been a joy, dude. Thanks for, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for taking some time to reflect on eschatology. The last mm-hmm. days and the, the last couple episodes in this, uh, in this series, it's been, it's been awesome. And I'm sure we'll hit back on eschatology yeah, at some point, but it was really awesome. good to go through it. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we are living in the last days and people are definitely lovers of self and, uh, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What? And uh, next week is a surprise. But next Wednesday, April 28th, we're going to be doing what at 6 p.m.? We are going to be recording again with our good friend Carl Truman. Woo! Um, I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to be discussing his new book. We're going to be discussing... Um, theology as we do Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're going to be sipping something delicious so i'm excited i'm excited to have him back on i'm excited to listen to him he better pray the valley of vision prayer because (laughs) that's all i want to hear i just want to hear him talk yeah i'm excited man his book the rise and triumph of the modern self cultural amnesia expressive individualism and the road to sexual revolution Mm. um Ben Shapiro tweeted about it and said the most important book of our moment and i would agree with that this is i listened to the whole thing on audible um I finished it last week. It's like a 14 hour audio book and it is easily the most important book I've read this year. Um, Rosaria Butterfield says this is a characteristically brilliant book by Carl Truman, helping the church understand why people believe that sexual difference is a matter of psychological choice. And Carl, it's a, it's a heavy hitting book. It's philosophical. It's filled with history as you would expect from a historian like Truman. It's theologically robust And frankly, I think we as Christians, as believers in a world, in a post-Christian West, right, we have to face an increasingly secular, sexualized culture. We have to, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to raise our children in this culture. Yeah. So how do we do that? Well, let's equip ourselves by understanding how we got here. And just by way of teaser, he starts way back in the Enlightenment, goes through the Romantics, goes through the, the Industrial Revolution. Goes through Darwin, Marx, Freud, Nietzsche, and the Frankfurt School. Like, just, it's a really thorough and epic work. And it's not a, a massive polemic against transgenderism or LGBTQ plus movement, per se. It's a polemic against the ideologies and the, the cultural zeitgeist that brought this thing to the forefront and made this normative. And also for Christians, how do we respond? So we're very excited to hang out with him. We're recording that again next Wednesday, the 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to watch the live recording and get in on all the action, be sure to join us over at where, Justin? Oh, you're going to want to check us out over on patreon.com slash distilling theology. Join us there. You're going to want to join us uh, $4.99 a month. It's less than... Uh, a pumpkin spice latte in the fall that you really don't need because really, let's face it, pumpkin spice isn't good. Um, join us over there, four ninety nine a month, and you'll get all kinds of stuff as well as conversations like we're about to have with Carl. You'll get bonus content. You'll get exclusive content. Um, you'll get video content. So you'll get all of this unedited, raw, and about a week early. Mm-hmm. Um, so head on over there uh, for four ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine a month. You can also get. Uh, after three months of support, a exclusive Distilling Theology Only mug, mm-hmm. um, as well as some video content that is coming up, right, Blake? That's right. Um, so yeah, really, really good stuff. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Where else can people connect with us, Blake? Well, if you want to join us over at uh, Distilling Theology on 
Facebook, you can follow our page where we post regular announcements about these kinds of things, including giveaways, which, spoiler alert, there's going to be another giveaway coming soon. Um, And also, you can join us in our Facebook group, where it is the most sage stage group of reformed people on the internet. Um, I thoroughly enjoy the conversations that that we have there. Mm -hmm. Can't recommend it enough. Also, follow us on Instagram to see some really cool photos of books and whiskeys and also a shout out to greg and david who are our latest patreons uh thank you guys for joining us and supporting us and helping us make this podcast possible you know it's funny even my pagan friend today was saying he follows us on instagram because we have such good pictures of whiskey you know praise the (laughs) lord for that well amen that's right man um also somehow some way some strange circumstance we have still maintained our membership status uh, as part of being um, uh, members, proud members, in fact, of the Society of Reform Podcasters. It is a collective, if you will, of doctrinally sound reformed podcasts so that you can ever hear uh, a nice river of theological glory in your ears, in your car, wherever you're going. If you need podcasts, we have podcasts. Uh, <laughs> check out this uh, reformedpodcasts.com. Uh, always put the S on the end of podcasts because otherwise yeah. you'll end up somewhere weird. Uh, and just for a little roll call, uh, so you know who's there hanging out, check us out. Assurance of Pardon, The Bobcast, Christ in Context, Yours Truly, Fast God Stuff, The Five Points Church Planting Podcasts, uh, guilt, Grace, Gratitude, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, Restless, Seeker Start, Sippin' on Theology, Steady Anchor Podcast, and finally we've got some more Baptists, the Particular Baptist Podcast. So hey. check us out. Um, you'll never be lacking podcast content. It's, it's just true. science. I can't keep up with all the shows. I try, but I, I can't. Um, but it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> and whatever it be like. Whatever you do, (laughs) whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria.